The Gophers, they make it two in a row, knocking off the Spartans 27-12. And I got Ron Johnson and Kane Robb with me to break it all down. And it's coming up next on today's Lockdown Gophers postcast. You are Locked On Golden Gophers postcast. Part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back at it. Another Golden Gophers postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Joining me as always, we got Kane Robb on site, host of the Lockdown Gophers podcast. He's on X at Gophers Kane Robb. And then, of course, we got the legend, Gophers Hall of Famer Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show each and every week. Follow him on X if you haven't already, at 3 Ron Johnson. All right, fellas, lots to discuss and break down this one. Gophers beat Michigan State today, moved to five and three on the season. But before we jump into it, quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. That's LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time, the best place to buy tickets. All right, let's jump right into it. Gophers coming off that huge win last week in Iowa, bringing home Floyd. And all week, I think the hope was that, okay, let's build some momentum, create something here now down the stretch with these final five games. Ron, let's just start with you. What was your biggest takeaways as you kind of sat there and watched this one unfold as the Gophers take care of business at home for their second win in a row? Yeah, I mean, early on, and this is the same with the Vikings. When you fumble the ball early on, it's not a great omen for the rest of the game. So I was a little concerned about the early fumbles, the short field position uh, that they gave uh, the, the Spartans. I feel like the Spartans only really earned, truly earned uh, those la- that last score. Those first two were given to them by the Gophers' offense. Uh, but at the end of the day, I-, I said this on the Gophers' pregame show, this is a game that P.J. Fleck might try to run the ball 50 times. And uh, he basically almost did. It basically became one of those, I mean, between Sean Tyler's two, Ethan Kellyman's is seven, and Jordan Newbin's 39 carries. He was two carries off of 50. So I was kind of dead on. I also said Daniel Jackson was my X factor uh, on the Gopher pregame show. And then you see why. Seven catches, 121 yards. He was kind of a guy that kept the chains moving and uh, made some big plays. And so, uh, one, it was good to see Brevin Span four finally get two catches. Uh, Corey Crooms got back on the catch train. Uh, but at the end of the day, now this running back room has gotten more and more injured. It's like a soap opera. And so mm-hmm. now Jordan Newbin throws his name in the hat of like, hey, coach, when Darius Taylor's back, what's up? What, what, what can I, I gave you? I gave you 199 yards. You can't just put me back in the stall. When you see a horse do that, it's kind of tough to just put him back in the stable and say, okay, you wait your turn. Yeah, and I want to talk about that running back rotation here in a minute. But Kane, I mean, coming in, one stat that really caught my eye for the Spartans was their turnovers. Dead last in the Big Ten, minus eight in that category, nine interceptions, eight fumbles, plus the new young quarterback, you know, they put in during the bye, Kattenhauser, according to PFF, has been one of the leaders in the country as far as throwing turnover-worthy balls. So I'm thinking, okay, they're susceptible in that department. That maybe would we would have a real chance to take advantage today and swing the game kind of in our favor. Turns out, like Ron said, 
I spent the first 15, 20 minutes thinking my TV was broke. I was watching the Viking game because second play of the game, Sean Tyler fumbles. Very next drive, it's Ethan Callie Manis. He does the same. What was your big observations from this one? Watching them lose the turnover battle so badly to a team I think we all went into the week expecting the opposite from, especially playing at home, but yet still find a way to win by double digits. Yeah, I mean, it was tough. It wasn't pretty. The turnovers were a concern, especially because the Gophers weren't getting turnovers of their own until very late in this game. Now, the Gophers' turnovers that they were able to gather kind of iced this one away, so that was always a good thing to see at the end. They were able to get turnovers when it mattered. But I was getting worried, especially like Ron said. We kind of gifted them six points right from the start, and the defense luckily held that two field goals, so it made it less impactful for us in the long term of things. But I was getting a little concerned, especially early on. And then you see right before the second half, we see a drive where all of a sudden things are clicking. The quarterback's getting, I believe he had like four passes in an eight-play drive for a touchdown. And those four passes go for 83 yards and a touchdown. And those are the flashes that you see where you're like, this is what I want to see all year. This is what we've been thinking we're going to get. But then you also have plays like that kind of forced interception where it's just like, we got to cut down on some of those. So it's still a growing process, but overall the Gophers are able to pull this one off with a great defensive effort. Yeah, a lot of good takeaways there. Uh, let's get back to what Ron was talking about at the top. That's the running game because that was a huge talking point, finding out they'd be without Darius Taylor, the freshman phenom, and Zach Evans. So a lot of depth there. They ranked first and third in total team rushing yards respectively coming in. So it's Sean Tyler and it's Jordan Newbin up next, which by the way, Totally forgot Tyler Newbin, little baby bro in the backfield, buried on the depth chart this whole time. Like, what's in the water over there in the Newbin household, man? Because there's some great genes going on there. But, Ron, Tyler fumbles early on. He gets yanked. Two carries, two yards, and a fumble. Bye-bye. That's it for him. They call on Newbin. Oh, my gosh, man. Did he impress so much considering just a week or two you're talking about him as the RB5 in this group? So what do you think of the running game today? And who's the starter now if everyone's healthy? Oh, I think you're muted, Ron. Sorry. Here we go. Uh, so like I said, I don't want to say I told you show, but if you guys go back to the Ron Johnson show this summer, I interviewed Tyler Newbin and then Jordan Newbin, the, like on the same day, Jordan Newbin jumped into the pod. He and I sat down and we talked. And at that moment this summer, I said, Jordan Newbin, after watching him in spring ball, watching him play, I said, this guy deserves a chance to play this year. He should be RB2. And I said that on my show. I said, he's going to be fighting for that RB1 spot. He's going to be 1A1B. Because uh, we knew about the transfers, but we didn't know about Darius Taylor. And so Darius Taylor comes back. We didn't realize, you know, when you look at how Zach Evans started to progress, you look at Bryce Williams coming back, uh, which sucks to see Bryce Williams go back on the injury uh, uh, or injury reserve. Uh, but I kind of said it. I said Jordan Newbin deserved to be RB1 or RB2 uh, just from his shiftiness. You see his ability to just fall forward. He kind of he kind of talked about it on the show with me. If you guys want to go back, look up the Jordan Newbin interview with Ron Johnson on YouTube. Uh, we talked a lot about that this summer. And then I also asked Tyler Newbin about that. Like, how fun is it having your brother? And uh, we, we had to wait, what, eight games? But we finally got to see them both have an impact in the same game. And and the genes, talking about the genes, his dad played at Eastern Michigan. Fun story. Uh, he wore the same number my dad wore at Eastern Michigan. So wow. it's one of those things where we were connected before we knew we were connected. Uh, both of our parents, his parents went to Eastern Michigan. My parents went to Eastern Michigan. Uh, my dad wore 27. His dad wore 27, which is why he, the reason why he wears 27. Uh, my dad just got drafted in the first round, ended up getting 29. I don't know if there was a 27 with the Steelers already. I had to look that up. But, you know, with that team, who knows? That was 
two Super Bowl winning teams uh, when he got there. Um, but Tyler Newbin and Jordan Newbin, that the family won great genes, great athletics, uh, great family. The mom is great at it. And then for him to be patient, to not be worried. Now, I hate to say this about Sean Tyler. Sean Tyler fumbled early and got put in fumble jail uh, in the season. And that's why we saw Darius Taylor. Now he does it again, and we see Jordan Newbin. So it's almost like Sean Tyler is the rite of passage running back. Like, he's hey, the catalyst. Yeah. yeah, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a step back and let you guys do this, man, because they they won't let you just do it unless I make a mistake. And that's what it feels like to be honest. I hate to say it. I said this in the pregame show. The one question in the pregame show was, "Are you comfortable with Sean Tyler getting the ball? Would you be nervous if you're the coach?" I said, "Yes, I would be," because he's fumbled before. Like, it's one of those things, like, when we talk about Brandon Powell with the Vikings, we talk about the Vikings' early fumbles as well, like six turnovers in the first four games or three games, uh, the most in NFL history in the first three games. And then all of a sudden, Sean Tyler does it again. And it's like, what what, what is going on? And so, you know, I talked about the, the points of reference, and PJ talks about the four or whatever points of pressure and blah, blah. Like, something is just off. Like, it could be mental. It could be physical. It could be the cold. Um, but Jordan Newman didn't have those same issues. So it, it sucks for Sean Tyler because, in, in your question too, who's the running back when they come back? It's Darius Taylor because we know what he is, but it's Jordan Newman right with him. The fact that this kid had 39 carries, that's crazy. And so if, if him and – him and uh and Darius Taylor together are scary, but again, we go back to NIL, we go back to all this. It's, it's gonna be tough to keep that whole room happy. The good thing is the two best right now are the youngest. So I think hopefully they'll be okay to stay together and be a Lawrence Maroney, Marion Barber type, because we've seen it happen before. But I think that's gonna it's gonna impact Brevin Span for Corey Crooms because there's not gonna be a lot of balls for them. Daniel Jackson's gonna get his, but the rest of those receivers now, Elijah, Elijah Spencer, all the it's going to get less and less because now PJ's like, man, I can really run the ball now with these two guys. 20 carries for Newbin, 20 carries for, for uh, uh, Darius Taylor, and you're not wearing one back out. And that's the problem. 40 carries in multiple games can wear a back down, and I think that's what he wants. He wants a healthy one, two, and a third. He always talked about a pair and a spare. Now he, he wants you know he wants that, but they have to get healthy. A pair and a spare. I absolutely love that. Um, Kane, I'll give you the final word on this running back rotation here. Like Michigan State – not like the 85 Bears defense or anything, but still, when you go for 40 carries over 202 touchdowns, that speaks volumes, man. At this level of competition, um, that's a lot. So is it still a 1-2 punch, or is it 1-1-A and now? And then Ron brought up a great point about the NIL we were all worried about when it came to Darius Taylor. How much breathing room does this give Gophers fans now to 2024 and beyond? I think it's still a one-two punch. I still think you have Darius Taylor as kind of that that figurehead, especially with not knowing what the ceiling is for him. He's got he's shown it in the receiving area. He's shown it as a runner as well in the patience that he runs with. But you feel a lot more comfortable not having to give him 30-plus carries in every game where then we start to see injuries pile up and things like that. You have comfort in knowing maybe some games he only gets 20 carries and then Jordan Newbin can get carries and Zach Evans can get carries and you know that you have efficiency and good ground game regardless of who's out there on the field, which is extremely comfortable to have, especially with Jordan Newbin not having seen as much time on the field and then in his first time of action against a team that was 31st against the rush in the nation heading into this game, he has 40 attempts for 204 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, you can't ask for much more, and it was great to see him always falling forward and creating extra yardage, so I think they found another good option for this offense to keep on churning. By the way, Ron Johnson's final game versus Michigan State, 
October 20th, 2001, week six, in the Dome, four catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Ghosts win that one, 28-19. We like to call that light work for the Gophers legend. Just another day at the office. Ron, you remember anything from that game? Uh, you're muted. I got to hear this. <laughs> yeah, no, Marion Barber, like, had a lights-out game. That's the one thing I do remember. Um, and the only reason I remember that I, – I remember that game. I didn't remember all of it. But somebody tweeted that out. Like, that. the last game was uh, Marion Barber had 158 yards and two touchdowns. Tellus Redmond had 126 yards and a touchdown. And then, yeah, and then I had the touchdown, 28-19. to uh, 19. All four touchdowns came from the three of us. Uh, but I do remember Marion Barber. Like, two things I remember. I remember blocking – against Michigan State. And I think I've told this story before. Like, I remember when he passed away, I told this story. But I remember blocking for him against Michigan State. And he ran, like, up the sideline. And I don't know if it was, like, a car crash or what, but it sounded like that behind me. And I turned around, like, because, one, I was trying to get out the way because I wanted him to, hit, you know, run up my legs. And he was still standing up, and the other guy was on the ground. And at that moment, I'm like, man, this kid is going to be good. And then the story was written after that. Like, he ended up having a really good college career, a really great NFL career. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I do remember playing Michigan State. I guess because I'm from Detroit. So I remember right. every right. time we played Michigan, Michigan State, I had some good memories because a lot of the guys on the other side were from Detroit or I grew up playing against them in high school. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it was always fun to play against schools. One, especially the schools that recruited me. Like, I, I loved – like, right. Penn State, I loved beating Penn State because they recruited me. I didn't go there. And then I know they were probably – and I remember before the Penn State game, their coach kind of told me, like, it could have been you. And they were, like, number two in the country, I think. And then we ended up beating them. And, and I was like – yeah. and then I gave – I think I gave him a hug. Like, it was uh, Joe Paterno's son. Like, after the game, I kind of gave him, like, a little hug. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm good where I'm at. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I love those moments. I always got time for a Ron Johnson flashback, that's for sure. Um, Coming up, I got to ask you guys about Ethan Kelly McManus, what his ceiling is maybe a year or two down the road. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Because you should never have to worry when you're buying tickets to any big event. That's why game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, including sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, even Broadway theater with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, I love the view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a, a real accurate visual on where the view is going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And the all-in prices, it shows you exactly how much you're spending along the way with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Just download the Game Time app and see for yourself how easy it is. Create an account and use the code LOCKDOWNCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create any new account. Redeem your code LOCKDOWNCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. Uh, Ron, I ask you about the passing game in Cali Manis like every week, so I guess why stop now? Uh, they ranked 129th out of 133 teams coming into today. Yep. Last week, it was Iowa. It was kind of like the tale of two halves. First half, three of eight passing. They only managed a field goal. Second half, though, last week, you saw them open it up a little bit more. A couple of huge drives, huge chunk plays to Daniel Jackson. This week, he throws for over 200 yards, one TD, one turnover. Mm -hmm. But I notice under two minutes in the first half, 
they went to that higher tempo. You see this in the NFL a lot, I feel like. Higher tempo. They mix in some hurry up. And all of a sudden, it looks like he flips a switch. So, in my opinion, he gives you the flashes you want to see, but mm-hmm. you want to see it more consistently. What did you see from him today? And is he showing you, I guess, that development, that progression you'd like to see game to game from a young quarterback yet? Well, the Iowa game, you have to remember, there was eight drops. So That's there was true. a lot of there was a lot of passes that game he could have been, or like six drops, I think. Six drops and maybe two bad passes, one skipped up. Uh, so two of those throws, one, if you watch the throw back, he doesn't step into the throw. He doesn't really turn his shoulder, and it's kind of like he's trying to guide it, and he didn't throw it early enough. So he was like kind of thinking like, oh, I'm throwing it late. Oh, I don't want to throw a pick, because if you throw a pick to the out, it's a pick six probably. And so he was trying to – and he did that against Michigan. So I think he had a flashback like, oh, I don't want to do this now because, uh, you know, he's got to drive it, throw it early before the guy breaks and then it's a completion. Uh, the drops by Corey Crooms, Brevin Span four, those aren't his fault. This game, uh, my, my key to the game was find Ethan's advantage. What does that mean? There's always an advantage on the field. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, those guys, Aaron Rodgers, there's guys that are great at doing it themselves, and then there's guys that have a coach that can help them do it when you look at Brock Purdy. Nothing against Brock Purdy. When you look at Tua Tagovailoa, nothing against Tua, but their coaches are helping them find the advantage. How do you do that? Whether it's a shift, whether it's a motion, whether it's some type of formation that's going to make them not be able to play the coverage or hide the coverage they're playing, that's what – and so what you saw today, that motion by the running back, uh, on the Daniel Jackson touchdown, told Ethan exactly what the coverage was. It has to be some type of man coverage with middle of the field open. I don't care if it's too high safeties. The middle of the field is still going to be open. So where's my throw? It's probably to this to this Daniel Jackson uh, inside route. But the motion helped him. Without that motion, he probably is not like overthinking it. Right away, motion, guy goes, oh, yep, it's man, boom, snap it. He can look here and know I'm coming right back to him because there's nothing there. I don't want to move the guy to where I'm trying to go. And stuff like that is what I think can make this kid great. But uh, Coach Harbaugh has to do that a lot more. Like you can't you can't always just come to the line and do a check with me and not have him help. Check with me is great for you to give him the play. But then what's helping him once he has the play? And I think that's the big difference is Ethan's going to need more of that the rest of the season. Because as we saw on the on the TV copy, They have the third easiest schedule down the stretch for the four Big Ten teams in the top four. They hold their own fate right now. If they can beat everybody and maybe lose to Ohio State and get a little help, they're in the Big Ten championship. And so how do they do that? Athens got to be more consistent down the stretch. Yeah, well said. And Kane, I think there's certainly an element to this that says, okay, this is a team that we all know they they just want to run the ball, play good defense. So his numbers are never going to be Michael Penix from Washington or Drake Mays, right? But the other issue that we've seen develop this year it doesn't really feel like there's any clear-cut second weapon in the passing game outside of Daniel Jackson that can kind of bail him out, give him some confidence once in a while. So what's the ceiling to Cali Manis, in your opinion? Like, how good could he be in another year or two with some more seasoning? And then also, we finally saw Brevin Span Ford make a few big catches today. How huge is it when he's given the offense that second big-bodied weapon in the pass game? Like, we all know he can be. Oh, I think that's immense. I think it gives the Gophers ability to open things up a little bit more because then Brevin is seen as a weapon not only in the pass game but also when they motion him across for the run blocking they don't know what is he setting up whether he's setting up himself for a a route to be a threat out of that as a pass catcher or if he's coming across to set the edge for the run so it makes it more versatile but also it makes it opens up Daniel Jackson who's been seeing a lot of attention because that's where the ball goes a lot of times but seeing Brevin kind of get that confidence back and moving up the field it wasn't just like a catch and a ball like he was able to create after the play was big. I think Ethan 
his ceiling is really high. I think he can be a really very good quarterback in this Big Ten, but it comes down to like what Ron was saying. How do you help him be his best instead of having him think too much? It seems when he's going, and like you said, when they picked the pace up and they were kind of just going, that he was more in the flow of things. It was more natural, and he was starting to find a lot of openings down the field, and things were clicking. The only thing I didn't really like in this game, but Jordan Newbin kind of erased it all, was after that interception, I don't think we saw another pass attempt for the rest of the game. I would like for them to continue to pick his confidence up and help him continue to grow from that area. But then when you have a running back who's falling forward for five yards every carry, it's hard to go away from that. So I don't blame him, but I would like to see the passing game continue. Yeah, well said. A couple quick minutes here. We got to give the defense some love. Ron, what do you think of the defensive performance today? And how much better are they now that they've got their stud linebacker back in Cody Lindenberg? How huge is that? Uh, it's huge. And, and Cody Lindenberg is, is, is not just an athlete out there. It's a brain. It's a leader. It's a guy that can get the guys lined up. Uh, Maverick Baranowski, though, I think, too. Uh, to, to be as good, like if, if they had beat Northwestern, and I'm, this is going to haunt us, honestly, it is. If they had beat Northwestern and you let uh, Maverick Baranowski become what he's become and then you add uh, Cody Lindenberg back in there, like because every week it was like, oh, he's close. He's close. Mm -hmm. And everybody keeps asking me, when is he going to play? He's close. And so to get him back in there, it's just, it's just another veteran voice in there. Uh, you see Ja Joyner coming alive. You see Kyler Ball coming alive and so that defensive line as well when you can get that back linebacker to kind of get those guys lined up that front seven becomes very formidable but if you look at what they did against Iowa you know those two yards in the second half and then how they started the Michigan State game regardless they, they had a bunch of chances in the red zone and Minnesota for, like only allowed two field goals out of that no touchdowns uh, without those fumbles, Michigan State probably goes into the halftime with zero because they weren't moving the ball. Now they bring in uh, the freshman, which I said this too. I was like, he's going to play today. I'm like, there's no way with this quarterback carousel they've had all three quarterbacks have played this year. He's not going to – and he played and he became a change of speed QB for him. He's the reason why they went down and scored. Um, but but for this defense, man, like it, they did a great job. The only thing I would say, the only negative, because I have to be honest, yep. the only yep. negative I would say about the defense today is when they did make the change at quarterback, it took way too long to realize this kid is going to run the quarterback draw. Yeah, Like at some point where there was subbing and getting a nickel package in there to say you need to be the linebacker spy, um, you know, whether it's Jack Henderson, whether you put – um, you know, Darius uh, uh, Green in, or sorry, bring him up and he becomes the backer in that system. But somebody should have been waiting for the quarterback because he wasn't going to throw. We know that. He wasn't going to throw a ton. He's not going to beat you with his arm, but he can beat you with his legs. Yeah, and Kane, same kind of realm here defensively. Devon Williams, he put on an absolute clinic with Lindenberg still out last week. Four tackles, sack, force fumble, fumble recovery. PFF gave him a grade of 82.3. That was the highest of any Gophers linebacker all season. And then you hear PJ come out afterwards and say, that was one of the two best linebacking performances he's ever seen since he's been here. And two weeks ago, you never would have seen that from him. That's just how much this guy is growing before our very eyes. Big picture, though, now, what does it look like with Lindenberg teaming up with both those guys? And like Ron said, Baranowski getting better every week as well. Because, you know, on paper now, if everybody's healthy, that feels like it could become a major strength of the defense all of a sudden. Absolutely. I think it's huge. I think Cody takes on, like Ron was saying, the the field IQ part of it too. So Maverick Bernowski before was having to think a lot on the field, playing that middle linebacker role. Now when Cody steps in there and Maverick can play on the side of him, he's not having to communicate all the changes and the calls to him. He can play more free and hear the calls and understand what they're doing as opposed to trying to get the defense in the right places. And then all of a sudden maybe being late to a spot or missing a tackle. 
And the more confidence he's been gaining from being in that bigger role and now being able to step to the side and let Cody take that role and play free, I think it's only going to help these linebackers get more, get better, get faster, and get more, hopefully, stops along the way. Yeah, well said. All right, I want to round out here before we get out of here and go over the last four games of the schedule. But first, I got a quick word from Prize Picks. Don't forget this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is without a doubt the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy because you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. And why I love it is because it's so easy to play. All you got to do is select two or more players and pick either more or less than their projected stats on that given night. This week, I took Jordan Addison over five and a half catches and TJ Hawkinson over 52 yards. Easy money. That's just one great example, though. And now with prize picks, you can even cross sports and pick multiple players in different sports altogether. So if you like Kirk Cousins this week versus Green Bay and USC's Caleb Williams versus Cal, you can get them both in the lineup thanks to prize picks. That's just one of many reasons why prize picks is the funnest way to play daily fantasy. Plus, prize picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with prize picks, reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. That's huge. That means if any NFL or college football matchup, if your player gets hurt in the first half and he doesn't come back, that player gets rebooted on your bet slip. And that makes prize picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college. For a first deposit match up to $100, that's promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for 100% bonus match up to $100. One more time, prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a 100% bonus match today. All right, Ron. Eight games in the book, four to play. Gophers sitting at five and three. Illinois at Purdue, two teams with a combined five and ten record coming into the week. Then you finish at Ohio State and then Wisconsin at home for the X. So when you look at the remaining schedule and how they played really these last two weeks, how do you feel about this final stretch and how far they could go? Uh, like I said, I mean, Ohio State to me is going to be the tough one in there. Uh, when you look around the, the the Big Ten today, even like it, the teams – Again, and I keep going back to this. That's uh, that's why I'm I'm really annoyed at that Northwestern like meltdown, if you want to call it. But I mean, they keep saying the Gophers have their own fate, you know, in their hands or whatever, and they do. Like Penn State jumped on Indiana, Nebraska, as I picked, jumped on Purdue. I just said Nebraska's gotten better. I said Nebraska got better after the first game against the Gophers, and everybody like I'm going to that tweet today. I'm making sure I go back to that tweet today. <laughs> Um, because I tweet after the game and everybody's like, Oh my god, you're such a clown. Like, how do you how are you gonna say Matt Rue has them looking better after the first game? I'm like, because I watched them lose three years, four years in a row under Scott Frost and how bad they looked. And then I watched them, you know, lose to the gophers. Not all losses are created equal. You're correct. right. Correct. It, right it was that. a formidable opponent, and then you turn around and you're like, Oh man, like, like like look at them beat Purdue. Now you look at Northwestern jump on Maryland, and they're and like, so Northwestern's a good team. And the Gophers had them strangled, and then they gave them life. So, you know, with Northwestern beating Maryland, if Minnesota had beat Northwestern, and as good as Maryland was, Maryland's like on a skid right now. Um, and I said that too. Everybody's like, oh, Maryland's going to beat Northwestern. I'm like, be careful. Northwestern, I've played there, and it is a horrible stadium. It's quiet. 
it's so weird and eerie. And so if you don't know how to create your own energy and juice, you can lose there. And that's what happened to Maryland today. Um, you know, they just got lulled to sleep. It wasn't back and forth, a lot of a lot of battle. But down the stretch, the Gophers can beat Purdue. They can beat Illinois. You know, Wisconsin, I think they can beat as well. And well, then well, the, the Ohio State. It's just, it's, that's, I mean, that's house money with Ohio State. So, so Jaden Barry commented, he wants to know, is Wisconsin legit or are they beatable? Haven't watched them a ton this year. And I haven't watched them a ton in depth either. How good is Wisconsin? Wisconsin's good, but we're going to get to see them tonight. I don't know if everybody else, but I'm getting some okay. pizza. I got some whiskey. Love it. Uh, I'm sitting back. I mean, that's my, daughter, Saturday my night. daughter's, yeah, my, my daughter's having her birthday party tomorrow. Shout out to my nine-year-old. <laughs> love it. Happy uh, so, birthday. So we're getting the house cleaned up for the birthday. So that means we don't, I love when we can clean the house because that means we don't get, we don't have to cook. Uh, cause my wife right. wants to keep it clean right. for tomorrow, but she's having her little birthday party tomorrow. Um, and so basically I'm sitting back with some whiskey and some pizza and I'm watching Wisconsin like wholeheartedly. Now I have seen a little bit of them. They run the ball. They're a really good run team. Their offensive line is really good, but they're having the same struggles as Michigan state. Their quarterback has not been the greatest. And so they're trying to figure that out too. Who's our quarterback. So this is a perfect year as well to beat Wisconsin. Um, and so, no, I would not say they're legit. Are they good? It's Wisconsin. They're always going to be good. They're always going to have big running backs. Uh, but Braylon Allen, I mean, that's the last game of year after Thanksgiving. He might, he might just give up and just be like, you know what? Look, we right. have no chance of doing anything special. Um, I don't know if it's worth my body getting injured. And that's a lot of like players now that are, that are, you know, NFL caliber towards the end of the season. If they're banged up, they're like, why am I going out here for the ax? Uh, some guys want it. Like, I don't see a gopher kid that would do that. Would just walk away for, you know, because of a bowl game or whatever, because uh, right. you know, I'm going to NFL, but some schools look at it differently. Like, look, man, like I, I got a future. I don't want to get hurt. Um, and so that's why I say Wisconsin is, is good, but I definitely think, and it's going to be in Minnesota. I mean, it's snowing today, so who knows what it's going to be like in, in, in a couple of weeks. Um, it, it's going to be a gopher, you know, Wisconsin 40 balls on both sides, running the ball type of game. Uh, but yeah, they definitely can beat Wisconsin. But again, I think the biggest test is going to be Ohio state. Like, I don't know if they know Harbaugh's number, but they should call Harbaugh and say, Hey, look, I know you stole the signs. Just tell me what Ohio state signs are. I won't tell anybody you told me. <laughs> And then, you know, be ready for, for these Ohio State signs. Uh, but, but you know, again, Maserati Marv, it, it's hard to stop. Oh, Ron, you're, Ron, you're muted. Sorry, I hit the thing again. Uh, I said that – I'm saying Ma Maserati Marv. Maserati, it, yeah. It's going to be the biggest test of Tyler Newman's career facing Ohio State because what they – what him and Trayvon Jones and Justin Wally, what they look like and whatever plan they come up with to try to slow down Marvin Harrison Jr., it, nobody's done it. So that's going to be the thing. If they could do something special against him, who knows what the world's going to say after that. And again, we beat Ohio State before when they were ranked high. It can They were number six in the country when we beat them and at Ohio State. It can happen again. Containing Maserati, Marvin Harrison Jr., if you guys don't know, containing him, honestly, is like six catches for 82 yards at this point. <laughs> Seriously, at this point, that's yeah. just how good and how dominant he's been. Can't wait to watch that matchup up close and personal. Kane, last one, same kind of question, same feel. Just rest of the season outlook. What's it look like looking forward, knowing the schedule remaining? And even with back-to-back -back wins now, the room for error is still so small. Did you see enough today to feel good about this team and what they could do in the final stretch? 
we definitely saw flashes. I mean, we saw flashes, and we want to see that come together more. I think, like we said, we saw in that sec right before the second half, the offense was going both ways. We saw the run game going, even with our fifth string running back now going in there. So we saw flashes that they can get it done, and they should be, have winnable games. Illinois should be a winnable game. Purdue should be a winnable game. And like Ron said, Wisconsin should be a winnable game. It should, and they're playing with their second-string quarterback because their quarterback got hurt as well. So Ohio State is – you know, free money. If you can get that win, you're in. And if you can't, you're still in the running. So I think you just, you got to continue to stack the dubs. You have to continue to progress. But I mean, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, after that Northwestern win, everybody was telling me in the comments on our YouTube channel that we're not going to win a game the rest of the season. It changes so fast. So you have to be ready. You have to be stacking and continuing to pro progress. And it looks like that's what this team is doing, especially defensively. So hopefully the offense can continue to do that as well. Yeah, love it. Well said, fellas. Great stuff, as always. And big shout to everyone who joined us tonight in the chat. Gophers beat the Spartans 27-12. Move to 5-3 and three on the season, which is four games to play. Rest assured, we're going to be breaking it all down all week right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. So make sure you like and subscribe. Kane Robb, Locked On Gophers host. Check him out. He'll have a full deep dive in reaction coming out in the next few days, I'm sure. Ron Johnson. Gophers legend, Hall of Famer. Check him out on the Ron Johnson Show each and every week. Gophers win their second in a row. Illinois on deck at home next week. Another very winnable game as they look to make it three straight. One more time, make sure to subscribe to the channel so you can catch us same time, same place next week. Kane Rob, Ron Johnson. I'm Luke Inman saying row the boat, Scott Uman. Until next time, signing out.